Welcome to the Finley Capital Podcast, where we discuss real estate investing and the hard money lending process. Welcome back to the Finley Capital Podcast. My name is Logan Ricchetti. As always, this podcast is sponsored by the Hard Money Handbook. You can get a copy of the Hard Money Handbook by going to www.hardmoneyhandbook.com to learn how to use hard money loans to fund your real estate deals. Also brought to you by the Facebook group, Powered by Private. If you are an aspiring private lender or operator that wants to network with lenders and learn more about lending and borrowing money to fund real estate deals, that is the group to be in. Powered by Private on Facebook. Today, I want to talk about underwriting. And with me to discuss underwriting is the dream killer herself, (laughs) Miss Haley Fader. It's an earned nickname. Earned, (laughs) well-deserved. She is the absolute dream killer. She kills all the dreams. She makes sure that the dreams stay dead. Once and for all. (laughs) Actually, Haley's- it's not true. (laughs) Once in a while, she lets one through. A little. (laughs) Haley is our underwriter. She is our operations director. She is in charge of making sure that our core value of no mistakes is the standard and stays the standard so that we can make great underwriting decisions for our capital investor partners and our borrowers and make sure that, like I said, there are no mistakes. So today I want to discuss with Haley how Finley Capital underwrites a loan, what the process looks like, what we look for, things to avoid, things to think about as a borrower. This will be a good conversation to hear about how private loans are underwritten so you can be the best lender or best borrower that you can possibly be. So let's start first and foremost with the four C's, the four pillars of underwriting. Absolutely. We got collateral, capacity, character, and credit, mm-hmm. right? So take it away. What, what are we, when we look at collateral, what are we talking about? So as an underwriter, for me, that's really the most important one because at the end of the day, this is a hard money loan. We care about what does that property look like? What's it really going to be worth? Um, so we, we take a lot of time looking at valuations. We actually do two valuations at Finley, we do an internal and an external valuation of the property. Um, the internal valuation is one that I do myself and the external valuation is one that we send out to someone who knows nothing about, uh, the borrower's estimated ARV. It's completely unbiased and just a, a look at what could this property be worth. Um, so those, those two pieces of that, I think are, are something that really set us apart because we take a lot of time looking at what is this property worth? Is it really worth what the borrower says it is? (laughs) Right. Right. And also what it will take to get it to that point. Right. Mm -hmm. So we, yeah. And, and that's the part we have to look at the borrower's scope of work. What is their plan for the renovation? What are they putting into it? Is it a three bedroom, but it's going to be a four bedroom? Uh, are they adding on a garage? Are, what are you doing to the property to get it to that ARB? Um, if you don't tell me that, <laughs> it won't get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so those are things that the borrower's got to communicate with me. I need to see that scope of work. I need to be able to dig into it and really see how are we getting there and is that actually going to happen. And then also you like to look at the scope of work and compare it to the actual as is condition, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure make sure everything lines up and matches what, what yeah. you think it should cost based on what needs to be done. Re- reconcile that with what the scope of work estimate actually is. Absolutely. And and that's one of the reasons we require not just a, a link to the Zillow listing, but we require 
property photos, internal, external. I even ask for property photos of the surrounding houses because um, Google hasn't taken new pictures in a few years. <laughs> so we need to know what's the neighborhood look like. Um, yeah, maybe you're going to fix this one up, but if it's surrounded by houses that are going to drag down that value, that's something that we need to consider. Yeah, I think it's important when you're analyzing after repair value in a market outside of your own that you really take into consideration the actual immediate surrounding area because mm -hmm. it's very easy to just pull comps and make adjustments and average square feet, but you really need to look at what what's next door, what's across the street, what's down the street. And if you're using a comp that's three streets down, you know what does that neighborhood look like versus mm -hmm. this neighborhood? So that's very important. I think... Um... So before I was doing this, I, I spent a lot of years as a real estate agent. And when I'm doing that valuation, I really look at it from a lens of a buyer because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's who determines the value of the property is the person buying it. So I look at the comps and say, okay, well, that one technically has the same number of square foot or square feet. Um, but is that really a similar house to mm -hmm. a buyer who's going to walk through this? And we look at flow and layout and usability, livability of the home um, above grade <laughs> square foot versus below grade. Those are different. Some states like to combine them and just call it all livable square feet. Uh, to me, I think buyers look at that differently. So I break it down and look at what's above, what's below and compare based on that. Um, and I think those are the important things that that really take that valuation to a next level. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And we do a lot of tracking for our estimated after repair value versus the actual after repair value. Mm -hmm. Every loan that comes back, we confirm what it sold for or what the appraisal for the refinance was. Mm -hmm. And then we uh, we track that to keep an eye on our estimated after repair values. And obviously our ideal objective is to be real accurate, mm -hmm. but to also be conservative. So in other words, we're hoping that the average after repair value is actually higher than our estimated after repair value and in almost every case it is yep. which is great that means you guys are underwriting conservatively but accurately and that's what we're looking for yep. okay let's go to the next uh, pillar of underwriting that we call capacity what does that mean so capacity being the the borrower's ability to pay back the loan so um i look at capital and their credit so what do they have as far as cash on hand um, and based on the term sheet, which our term sheet beautifully breaks down how much cash does this borrower need to actually do the deal. Um, so I look at on the term sheet, what do they need to get this done? And I look at their credit and say, okay, based on those things, do they have enough cash on hand to get the deal done? And does their credit report tell me that they have a history of repaying their loans they have a history of being good stewards of their money because if we're going to give them our money i don't want to know they're going to be a good steward of it sure and, and when we're talking about capacity also we're talking about the llc documents the authority to sign mm -hmm. on behalf of the llc um being in good standing with the state yep making sure that we understand who is in the LLC, so who the members are, what the ownership interests are, what the roles are. But then also in terms of capacity, we're also looking at borrower's experience, mm -hmm. their track record, their uh, profession, their day job, what they do for a living if, if it's not this full time and what what our likelihood is, what, what we think the likelihood is that if they have a problem with the deal that they're going to be able to 
solve their way through that problem. Absolutely. And so it's not just the capital, it's the capital and their ability, their capacity to manage the deal. That's also why we underwrite all of the members of the LLC, not just the borrower. Mm -hmm. Um, And if there's a borrower or a co-borrower or another borrower, we underwrite all of them. We do credit and background on everybody, not just one member of the LLC, um, because those are those are all relevant facts for us to know. All right, so let's go to the next pillar, which is character. So when we talk about character of the borrower, what are we really looking at deeply? Um, so maybe I kind of uh, threw, threw some of our details under different headings because I, I look at it all in, in the line with my checklist and what I go through. But um, when I'm looking at character, I want to know, um, you know, is this a dependable person? Is this a reliable person? Um, is there a reasonable belief that they're going to get this deal done, Mm -hmm. get it done well, get it done on time and return the capital. So in addition to that, when we look at character, we look at the borrower's ability to communicate. Mm -hmm. We look at the borrower's ability to, uh, honor his or her word, do what he or she says they're going to do. Um, the speed and the accuracy and the thoroughness at which they send in loan docs for, you know, that are requested. Um, we look at their social media. We look at, you know, their, we look at the way they conduct and present themselves. Mm-hmm. We ask ourselves, do we want to be affiliated with this person? Do we mm-hmm. want to be connected or known with this person? Do we want to be in business with this person? And we try to be as objective as possible. But again, we're, we're filtering that through the lens of no mistakes. Um, as the loan originator, if you will, I do an initial character screening right away. Mm-hmm. And if I don't have a good vibe, if I don't have a good feeling, if I'm not being treated respectfully, if I'm, you know, if any of those red flags come up at the beginning, I just turn the loan down immediately. I just don't get into business with people that I don't feel comfortable with their character in terms of the way they're going to conduct themselves and perform. Uh, as you may know, a lot of, you know, hard money lenders, private lenders, a lot of borrowers call them all the time. They call six or seven or eight. They shop around. They try to get rates and terms and try to understand what's going on. And often when they do that, they're not very nice. Mm-hmm. And they're not very nice for whatever reason. It's just, you know, like when you go to a bank, you're always in a bad mood and they take a long time <laughs> or something. You're kind of rude where you might mm-hmm. not be a rude person, but it's that dynamic a lot with the character. So, um, but there's, there's kind of two different kind of borrowers. There's that borrower and then there's the borrower that's you know very open-minded and respectful and curious and asks questions and seeks to understand and is mm-hmm. grateful and thankful when you provide time and information to them. Right away, when I feel that kind of connection to a borrower, I really go the extra mile to try to work with that borrower because this is a long-term relationship. This is a three, exactly. four, five, six-month relationship. So when you're talking about the character and underwriting the character of the borrower, we want to make sure that we're in business with people who are going to do a professional job. They're going to answer their phone. They're going to solve problems. They're going to be, you know, people of their word. And it's kind of hard to objectively underwrite character, but we do factor it in. Yeah, well, it it, it helps when you're looking at so many different facets. We're not basing it on just, just your Facebook page or just your credit score we're, we're looking at the full picture mm-hmm. um and and just like you said the the attitude with which they treat finley and treat our people um that plays into it that continues during the process with me when i'm asking for documents um you know if if a borrower makes it easy for me to say yes because they're organized they're thorough they've got everything they send it all in really quickly right away 
makes it easy for me to say yes. And then when they come back with another loan, I'm excited to work with them again because I know what they're about. I know how this loan is going to go. And I know that I don't have to worry about it. Um, it's, it's the deals where I get a lot of pushback. Um, if I ask for a document, I'm treated with attitude. Uh, those... Uh, I dig a little deeper on those because I wonder what, why is it such an issue for you, for you to hand me that document? Why is this a problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes me skeptical. And you know, I kind of consider myself the last line of defense mm-hmm. for the company. Uh, you got to get past me to get the money. And uh, if, if you make me wonder why are we having a problem? Why, mm-hmm. is we, why do we have an attitude about this? that makes that last line of defense a little harder to get past. <laughs> yeah, it's just a red flag. It's yeah. And not only that, but you might have 20 or 30 deals in your pipeline. Mm-hmm. This is something as a real estate agent that I didn't understand for a long time, but now I understand <laughs> it. When your borrower is, their documents are requested from your borrower and your borrower is slow to provide those, it the, the underwriter or the processor just moves to the next file. Yep. They don't care. Yep. You got 20 files and you're going home for the day. If you don't want to send in your loan docs, the underwriter just moves to the next file and works on the one that did send in their loan docs. Yeah, exactly. So it's a completely controllable decision as a borrower to be proactive and communicate well and be respectful, for goodness mm-hmm. sake. Um, but be, like you said, be on time, be prompt, send in the documents in an organized fashion with good yeah. coding on the on the names and the right stuff and all that. Yeah. Uh, I had a deal recently where the borrower, we had a deal, you might remember it, I'm sure you do where the borrower sent in photos of a vacant house. Mm-hmm. And during our underwriting process, we realized it's a rented occupied house. <laughs> well, guess what? Either they didn't know that it was, a, that it was when I mean, they knew it was occupied, so they yep. knew it wasn't vacant, but they provide a picture showing the house was vacant. Mm-hmm. So to me, they might, and their defense might've been, well, that's all we had. But my answer was, well, number one, you didn't tell us that. Yeah. We had to find it out ourselves. We had to f- come up with this discrepancy ourselves. So now we don't trust you mm-hmm. because you sent us pictures that are not accurate. Exactly. Right? Yep. And I turned the loan down right there. Mm-hmm. I said, guys, we're not doing this loan. And they said, are you kidding me? This is crazy. And I said, no, I'm not kidding. I'm very serious. Mm-hmm. We're not sending you money. And we're not doing any more business either. Yeah. And this was a relationship I didn't want to lose, but I lost it quick. Yeah. Because we are making no mistakes here. We're playing no games here. There's going to be nothing like that. Yeah. If you can't provide accurate, transparent, honest, full integrity information the first time, we will not be in business. Yeah. Now, I sound a little bit tough and hard on that, but <laughs> it's just a very, we cannot afford to make a mistake lending money, no. lending capital. We can't, we can't afford it and we won't make a mistake. Uh, certainly will not have any real tolerance for incorrect information being provided no. that goes to the character. There's there's a flip side of that too, if I will, though. I think um, one of the things we pride ourselves on here is being simple, fast, reliable. Um, but I think part of that is customer service, mm-hmm. helping our borrowers be informed, confident. Mm-hmm. It goes back to our real estate experience. Mm-hmm. You know, if a borrower doesn't understand the process, if they don't understand what it is I'm asking for or why I'm asking for that, it makes it harder for them to give us good information. So um, I I think it's really important and I like to take the time with a borrower, especially if they're being polite about it, to help them understand why are we asking for this? Why is it relevant? This is why I need it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm asking for a document and they don't know where to get it, like an LLC document that happens sometimes, I'm happy to find a link and send it to you and make it a little bit easier for you. Like these are busy professionals, they got a lot going on, and this is my job. So if I can help, I'm gonna help. 
but that that you know there's two sides of that i will help you out as much as i possibly can but i also got to know that you're being upfront with me you're being straight with me and that you deserve that extra courtesy i agree i completely agree and in addition to that i just want to add that our objective is to get the loan approved we yeah. want to lend the money we want to do the deal <laughs> that's why we're here yeah uh, we are not you know Haley or I, and I or whoever, we're not in the business of turning down good loans or, or being so skeptical that we never do any loans. We want to do the loans. Mm -hmm. And I really like what you said about providing information and helping the borrower understand the process. You and I spent yeah. two hours yesterday building a draw request informational email template mm -hmm. with very detailed instructions and FAQs and, and process steps so that for now on, every new borrower is going to get that email on the first day of their loan. And they're going to be able to understand a little bit better how the draw process works, how exactly. we underwrite draws. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an additional document checklist on our website for our borrowers to read when they are learning about what they're going to need to put in mm -hmm. for loan processing. So, And then we have videos on the website that help talk about the processing and underwriting steps of the life cycle. So like you said, for our brokerage, we have that mission to create informed and confident clients. We want to do that same thing here in our lending operation within the capitals help our borrowers understand what they're getting into, mm -hmm. what to expect, what's expected of them, how long things will take. Um, and I want to just applaud you personally about how well you do helping the borrowers oh, holding thanks. their hand. I got a, <laughs> I had a, a text message yesterday from a friend who's a client and he said, you know, it's very unusual that your underwriter does so much communicating with the borrowers. And I said, thanks. <laughs> you know? And a lot of times people, you know, in most situations, the underwriters are kept kind of like arm's length yep. from the borrower and it's the loan originator that's doing the interaction. Mm -hmm. Our model's a little bit different because we kind of work mm -hmm. as a team. Kylie helps, you help, I help. Even Josh helps as a controller sometimes. So yeah. we, we don't mind doing that. When we get a loan app on Monday and we close it on Friday, it's because everybody's pitching in. Exactly. And that's the only way you can underwrite yeah. a file and fund can't, it in four days. Can't but, do that without communication. <laughs> yeah. So I have no problem with the underwriter communicating directly with the borrower and the borrower sending docs directly to the underwriter because it's you and I trust you and you're so good at this. Um, but, you know, it's just a, like you said, it's a two-sided coin. You got to do a good job as the borrower. We got to do a great job as the underwriter. We got to work together as a team. We all have the same objective. Yep. And just make sure you're putting, you're bringing in documents timely. You're providing the correct information. I promise you this without a, a shred of a doubt, we are not asking for one document that we don't need. Oh, no. No, I, never. No, because I have no desire to do extra work for no reason. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so if, if I'm asking for it, it's critical. <laughs> All right, let's close the loop on the four uh, pillars that we underwrite with the last one being credit. Uh, our credit yeah. process is very simple. We do a credit and a background check, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have a cutoff. We don't only lend to people with a 660 and not a 659 credit score. No. This is part of working with a private lender that's great yeah. is we have a little bit more subjective ability to look at situations um, you know, individual case by case. Yeah. I will say that when we quote a loan, we look at the credit score for sure. We look at the background check for sure. If we yeah. see a flag on the background check, we're going to ask about it. We're going to make a business decision. Mm -hmm. From the credit standpoint, um, although we don't have any hard and fast rules for what our credit score rates are, and what we do take into account is our exposure and sometimes mm -hmm. our loan pricing, uh, but usually just exposure, what we're willing to lend on a property based on the borrower's credit score. Obviously, the higher the credit score, that yeah. is an indicator of more likelihood of repayment and things like that. But I'm willing, we are willing to work with people with credit problems from the past, from medical bills or divorce or whatever, yeah. because we have a philosophy that um, somebody's decision, you know, past doesn't necessarily reflect their current right. situation. Yeah. That 
So credit's important. It's not critical, but it is a factor that we look at. Well, and it's all, again, it's all part of that big picture. Right. Um, you know, and even the background check, um, again, a past decision isn't necessarily going to, to kill the deal. If everything else about that file is on point and looking good and I'm not worried and there's a little issue, okay, let's get some explanation about it. Mm -hmm. Let's figure out, uh, okay, we can accept that and move forward. Um, you know, if, if you're on Pearl for selling houses that you didn't own, mm -hmm. uh, no, <laughs> that's, that's a deal killer. I'm pretty, sure, pretty sure we had one of those, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we did. What's the, what's that the, was a no. Yeah, that was a hard no. Okay. Good decision there, Haley. Way to go. Oh, you know. What's the craziest thing you've seen so far? Oh, that might've been up there. Yeah, that's probably um, it. Yeah, well, especially because in, in that particular situation, uh, it was a borrower and a co-borrower situation. And the borrower um, had had just gotten out of jail for that issue. And I <laughs> thought- right back on the wagon. And I thought, um, okay, so this one's gonna be like, I don't know how I can possibly say yes to this, but well, let's get, dig into the co-borrower. Maybe mm -hmm. his co-borrower co is, you know, the pillar of the community. <laughs> He's got loads of money in the bank. Mm -hmm. We can rely on this guy. So we'll deal with it. No. <laughs> it, no. It, no. It was not that situation. And uh, I, I wrote up a gently worded uh, but blunt email to you and sent it over. And then I called you and we just laughed. <laughs> so I said, I, I can't do this. <laughs> I want to. I just can't do it. Sorry. I think the funny part about that story too was the loan originator who sent us this deal was this was the first deal that this person had sent. We had just spent a couple Zoom calls yep. getting to know each other, getting excited about working together. And when I told this person what we had found, this person just said, "Well, on to the next one." And I said, "Nope. Nope, nope, nope. I'm sorry. Maybe not so much." This was a nice relationship, but it's, unfortunately yeah. it's not over. That was a First impressions. <laughs> Here's the deal. Here's the deal. When it comes to loan originators and referrals from loan originators, mm -hmm. uh, we expect vetted, pre-underwritten loan referrals, Yeah. period, especially from professional loan originators. We have some very, very talented ones that we work mm -hmm. with all the time. Andrew is a great one. Uh, yeah. We're getting a lot from Ronald. We're getting some from Daryl now. We're getting some from Tony. Matt, Bridget, Michael, yeah. we got a lot of great, great communication people. Yeah. and it's so helpful. And and sometimes they send a referral and they they acknowledge that they haven't vetted it mm -hmm. all the way, which is fine if we know that. But from a from a loan originator, from a, you know a broker company, we expect that when something gets presented all the way to us, that it's already clean or at least it's been looked at. Yeah. Um, I one of the things that drives me the little bit the most crazy is having to underwrite or re-underwrite a deal that gets referred to us when it, when there's something blatant like that that could have been caught yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, so that's so a little simple. bit of a, I'm just venting a little bit on that, but um, it's very important as a loan originator, if you're going to send referrals to us that you're vetting and you're, you're pre-checking the borrowers as much as you can with at least an interview, at least a background yeah. communication. And if not a credit check and a background check, at least, you know, some kind of breakdown of understanding what their performance is with their yeah, we've, track record we've run into issues with one other loan originator um that sent over a borrower who had um basically no cash on hand at mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. they didn't have any funds with which to complete the project um and they also sent over an appraisal for uh, review purposes that had completely bad information about the subject property. It was the wrong number of bedrooms, it was the wrong square footage. Um, 
so then instead of that being a check in the plus column of cool it's coming from a loan originator it's already been vetted a little bit now that put it in the minus column and we looked at everything even harder and that was another deal we ended up not doing yep i remember that deal i remember it very specifically because i remember the loan originator said what are you talking about we have an appraisal and i remember saying look this is the difference <laughs> in all seriousness and, and all due respect this yeah. is the difference between a hard money lending company and a private lender and just a traditional bank or, or brokerage the traditional bank or credit union or broker or whatever they check boxes and then they approve loans mm -hmm. and that's it so if they have an appraisal the appraisal box has been checked we don't think that way we don't act that way or operate that way we looked at that appraisal and we did our own evaluations and we came in lower and then we looked at the appraisal found some discrepancies and we threw it out yeah. and said you know unfortunately and, and i was very disappointed to not fund this deal it was yeah. one of the harder no's for me personally mm -hmm. and they ended up the broker that sent it ended up funding it some other way yeah and what I told you, if you remember, was it's better to make a bad no mm -hmm. than to make a bad yes, yeah. right? It's always better to make Absolutely. a bad no than a bad yes. And I can live with a bad no. We can't live with a bad yes. Yeah. So that's just kind of the way it goes. Again, when you're working with a private lender, they might say no to a deal that you might think makes sense and, and you just got to move yeah. on to the next one and, well, and it's, keep your head up. Again, I go, I go back to the fact that, you know, as the underwriter, I'm that last line of defense. Mm -hmm. I never want to say yes to something that then comes back on the company right. and I missed something. No mistakes. No mistakes. Um, and if I didn't look at that file as a whole, the whole picture, and feel comfortable, then I'm not comfortable saying yes. Um, if I wouldn't lend my own money and stand behind that deal, then it's not a good enough deal for Finley. Um, you know, we have to protect the, our investors. We have to protect our capital and. Uh, again, we want to lend it out. That's the whole point of this. Mm -hmm. But if if I wouldn't lend my grandma's money on this deal, we're not doing it. <laughs> I can't say yes to it. Right. I can, that doesn't mean we won't do it because I'm. I guess I'm not the final say. You know. But <laughs> well, actually, yes, you are. <laughs> but you know, if if I'm not comfortable with the whole picture, um, I'm honest about it. That's. Yep. But it's not just one thing or one other factor. It's that whole picture. And I like that you and I have a perfect track record of agreement. We've never disagreed on a deal. Mm -hmm. All right. So until next time, go get them. <laughs> Good job. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Finley Capital Podcast. Please like and share this episode. Help us grow our following so we can help more hard money loan borrowers and investors like you. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Finley Capital. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. We'll see you out there.